The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. The Chicago Bears start their season with a bang and a 19-14 comeback victory in the preseason against the Kansas City Chiefs. I bring on WCG's own Sam Householder to break down the game and talk through who did well, who didn't, and what we're looking for throughout the rest of this Bears season. It's all coming at you on this episode of Bear With Me. What's going on, everybody, and welcome back to Bear With Me, a Chicago Bears podcast hosted by yours truly, Robert Schmitz, right here on the Windy City Gridiron podcasting channel. And I am here with WCG's own Sam Householder as the Bears finish off their triumphant first win of the season in the preseason. Sam, we've got a 14 to 19 comeback win technically on our hands that we get to discuss as Trevor Simeon and the Bears second string. So thoroughly throttled the Chiefs' second stringers. I I hope they were the Chiefs' second stringers and not third stringers, but that's all besides the point because everything came up bears at the end of the day. Obviously, Sam, there's a lot of sarcasm involved in talking about the preseason. I mean, the preseason is a mess of whatever you want to make of it traditionally, but I don't know about you. I felt like this was a pretty solid first game for this group. What did you think? Uh, I agree, Robert. I think that uh, it it was... It was a solid showing. Um, it, it's kind of what you expect. Uh, I said on Twitter that I thought anybody who's getting too high or too low off of this is kidding themselves because when you're stacking up our first string against the Chiefs' first string, you have to remember that this is a legitimate Super Bowl contender. They're a couple plays away from the Super Bowl every year. Um, they've been in the Super Bowl twice in the last four years now. Um and so, yeah, I just think that, you know, as far as the starter stacking up the starters, it's kind of a joke. Like we knew kind of going in, like seeing Mahomes march him down to a TD. It was like, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're the Kansas City Chiefs. This is the Chicago Bears rebuilding, rebooting. So it, that part of it was was kind of it is what it is. Um, and then, yeah, but there were solid pieces there. There were solid plays. Um, the players that, you know, I think a lot of fans have been excited about, you had reason to be excited about most of them. So overall, I, I agree. It was a solid effort. And yeah, you know, <laughs> the sarcasm of, it, you know, they came storming back with uh, Trevor Simeon is <laughs> alive and well. It was uh, it was funny. Um, 
my wife, since it's the preseason, she's running around, not really watching. And she's like, well, did we win? And I go, yeah. And she's like, well, last I looked, they were down like two touchdowns. I said, well, Trevor Sinium, they stormed right back. <laughs> scored 19 unanswered. And she's like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, it's preseason. But, hey, um, you know, we'll take the wins because we know they'll be hard fought once they start actually counting. Oh, sure. And I mean, Sam, that's what makes this 2022 Chicago Bears season so strange is this. I feel like this is two teams combined into one, right? We've got the group that is already planning for 2023 on the roster already. Guys like Dominique Robinson, guys like I I don't want to say Jaquan Briskers in that group. He's going to get plenty of time in 2022. But guys like Zach Thomas, guys like Jatyree Carter, guys like Doug Kramer, even to an extent, somebody like Braxton Jones. These are a new nucleus that are going to be carrying the team much further along than just 2022, even if the 2022 starters leave a lot to be desired. Look, I I don't want to take too much away from one preseason game. But like you're saying, Sam, I mean, I felt like the Kansas City starters had no issue moving the ball against the starting Bears defense. And if I could be really frank with you, that doesn't bother me. The Bears could be the worst team in the league in 2022, and my eyes are still on 2023. And so I... I guess if anything, the only player that really we can put the microscope on and really say like, how did this guy look and try to take something away from it is Justin Fields. And I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, truly from what I saw, and I'm curious to hear what you saw, because why wouldn't we talk about Justin Fields? I thought Fields looked like the game had slowed down for him. I thought despite a lot of pressure in his face, pretty much throughout his seven passes, he was decisive with the ball. He was relatively accurate, obviously made a nice throw to Tajay Sharp under pressure and another nice ball to Darnell Mooney downfield. It's preseason. I'd have loved for him to throw five touchdowns, but he ultimately seemed like he took care of the football and maybe most importantly, didn't look like the rookie that started against Cleveland, regardless of that naggy game plan. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Uh, I, I agree 100% with you. Um, I'm with you there. He did look confident. He looked decisive on the replays. I was trying to watch his eye and head movement, depending on the camera angle, if you couldn't see his eyes. And it looked like he was making his reads. Um, it definitely looked like the game was moving a little slower for him. He was decisive. Uh, he also was playing smart. Um, he scrambled only really like one time officially. Uh, the one time, you know, Michael Schofield got beat and he was pretty much dead to rights. And, uh, I actually thought the whistle should have come about, uh, half a second earlier, but I think that's all of us fans in the preseason, just like hoping, you know, like, okay, you know, let's just play touch football because it's still August. Like, <laughs> like as soon as he got him wrapped up, I was like, don't let him take him to the ground. Just blow the play dead. Like this is freaking preseason, but, uh, that's besides the point. So. And then obviously, you know, the, the play that wasn't officially a scramble, but where he got hit, you, we all wanted to see the flag. But and again, it, you think in the preseason you're going to get that flag, whatever we didn't. Um, but overall, I, I think you're right. The decision making looked a little better. The confidence looked better. Uh, he had a little bit better pocket presence, um, at least as far as the decision making, making the throws uh, and taking care of the football, which I think was is obviously the, the biggest concern that a lot of people have had. Right. And I mean, don't let me take too much from a presser, but I did get the chance to listen to a little bit of Fields' postgame presser. He even described that 20-ish yard throw to Darnell Mooney as routine. 
And I quote, he said that he lined up at pre-snap and because it's preseason, he knows they're going to get a lot of man coverage, which they do all the time. Uh, and so he already knew how that play was going to go. He knew when Darnell Mooney was going to get open and he did. He, he said Darnell knew exactly where he was going to put the ball, which I mean, Sam, the catch was acrobatic enough that I think yeah. I believe him. Oh, because absolutely. Darnell absolutely knew roughly where the ball was going. But most importantly, I love the fact that to Fields, that kind of a play wasn't anything to celebrate per se. I mean, yeah. after all, it's a fancy first down to some yeah. degree. And so, look, preseason, again, it's not anything to get too high or too low. But if it's me uh, getting to pick what I think the criteria is, I don't have a yards benchmark for Fields. I don't have a touchdowns to interceptions benchmark for Fields. I want to see progress and i thought he mentally looked like a much better quarterback today than he did last year and truly sam that's all i want to see especially since you kind of hinted at some offensive line issues and uh yeah. that could be an issue this year you know what i mean yeah yeah and for sure and you're right like you look at and the other things you gotta look at like who isn't playing um right. i think that, that you know uh, I didn't mention that when I was talking about first ring against first ring, you know, you remember, you got to remember like both teams are probably holding certain guys back, but you had mm-hmm. Mahomes against, you know, not Roquan Smith. You had Travis Kelsey against not Roquan Smith, that sort of thing. But uh, for the most part, so then you look at the bears offense and you say, well, they're down so many receivers. You wonder how much, how much of a rapport he has with the guys that aren't named Darnell Mooney. And so what, you know, he calls, Justin Fields calls a routine play after the game. I think that that is, that is the progress we want to see. And that's kind of what we expect between him and Darnell Mooney. And that's a really good sign. Uh, that's yep. the progress we're seeing. That's, you know, he knows they talk about that with the great quarterback receiver tandems is, you know, they can see one knows where the other is going to be. And the receiver knows where the ball is going to be. And the quarterback knows where he needs to throw it. And, that's the type of thing that is just going to warm bears fans hearts, you know, to, to hear that and know, okay, these guys are settled in. And then, yeah, you know, he, he had some good plays with Taz Sharp, um, a guy who, you know, before this week, I think was mostly running with twos and threes. Um, there were some, some drops out there and, you know, he got early on before he could. It, it, and the other thing about the offense to me was it seemed the first couple drives were bad and everyone's like, Oh, you know, bears three and out. And I'm sure there were all the jokes on, on Twitter. Oh, their bears are offenses in mid season form or whatever. But but truly I didn't see, see that tweet today, which I was surprised about, but besides the point. Um, So anyway, but then you saw him kind of build momentum. Sure. They didn't get in the end zone, but they, as the game went on, it looked a little cleaner. It looked a little sharper. The throws were getting quicker. The, you know, instead of going down to the checkdowns, he was able to find Mooney and Sharp and guys down the field past the sticks and stuff. So those were the things that were encouraging to me because you kind of expect them, you know, first year offense to kind of come out and sputter a little bit and, and, you know, this is the first time they're not really in a scripted situation in a practice. And so they, there is a little more free form to it that they haven't had in practice. So, right. I think they're going to take their lumps. They took their lumps on, on the first couple of drives and then it looked a little bit better and a little bit better. And, you know, they just didn't get into a situation where they could punch it in. It is what it is, but 
ultimately, again, you saw progress and you saw the things you, that you want to see, in my opinion. Yep. Two games that I want to throw or to see if I can have Bears fans picture uh, is two years ago when the Bears played Deshaun Watson, where Watson was fundamentally unable to do anything throughout the course of that game because the Bears defense was giving him so much trouble. And honestly, we can include last year's game against Seattle where Russell Wilson didn't play particularly well, partially because of the way that he was harried and the pressure that the defense was able to create behind him. I want you to picture those two games because like you're saying, Sam, I thought Justin Fields did a really good job today of not letting the plays that could have been really bad get worse. Things like, I mean, as simple as it sounds, that check down that he had to uh, Khalil Herbert, where he was bumped just a little bit by some quick pressure and was still able to get a ball out that I personally would have ra- would have liked to see Khalil Herbert catch. I didn't get a great yeah. look at the replay. It looked like the ball was at or maybe a single ball below his knees. And I would hope that the r- running back could catch that for, look, it's a gain of three right? Like I'm not trying to harry the guy over a gain of three in preseason, but it's not a sack. It's not a completion with no, or it's not an incompletion with no chance. It is taking a play that didn't work out and trying to gain just enough yards to where you're not completely off schedule, right? That's the kinds of steps that we want to see out of Justin Fields. I mean, not to mention, we can talk a little bit about the scheme too. You talked about how you felt like the Bears offense looked a little bit more organized, a little bit like it made more sense. If we were yeah, going absolutely. to be like simple or oversimplify it, we could make all the naggy jokes in the world. And obviously he was right there on the other side of the sidelines, but I felt like this play or the play calling felt a little bit better sequenced than we've had in past years. It felt as if they understood how to mix up outside runs with inside runs with short passing plays with deeper passing plays. I loved their consistent use of four verticals and taking little shots, both with Simeon uh, and fields. And if I can be really blunt with you, I didn't watch enough of the Peterman to see if it continued, but they understood how to try to convert a longer third down or create a better shot downfield without necessarily needing a quote unquote shot play. And I mean, if there was any example of exactly what we're talking about, where sequencing worked out, even the end arounds actually worked instead of being very obvious and something that like everybody could see from orbit. Right. And I'll be honest with you, Sam. There are caveats here. The Bears offensive line doesn't look like it's going to do much between the tackles. And I wish it would, right? I would love to see this offensive line be able to sustain a ground attack that keeps the Bears out of third and longs. It didn't really look like we got that today outside of some uh, like side-to-side plays that are a little bit less dependent on offensive line. But if the brain trust running the offense, quote unquote, gets how to run offense, there's a getsy pun in there somewhere, then I feel better about the Bears offense moving forward. And I don't need it to feel like a finished product in week one against a San Francisco team that'll put every single defense or offensive lineman to the test because they've Mm -hmm. got some dudes on that defensive line, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, And yeah, you're right. Like the, the, the play design that's something that i've i've heard the beat reporters talk about in practice is like you know the offense looks rusty doesn't you know doesn't always look sharp and and whatever but they're like we like the play designs and i think that we saw that today you're right with those those end arounds that didn't seem obvious and that clearly have the right kind of window dressing because you know we always used to talk about with Nagy the window dressing but it was just there to do nothing and did nothing but there's actual like window dressing with it there was one later in the game to Daz Newsom, I think that I thought was pretty nifty and it also 
has that thing that that is a um uh, a staple of the Packers offense where yep. you know that there's more than one look off of that play. And I like that stuff. I think that that that's smart um, because it, it defenses then have to think, is this play a or play B that I've studied on film? So those things are encouraging. Um, there was even one play uh, Jeff Burkus and I went back and forth uh, on Twitter, just a couple tweets about was um, there was a missed screen pass but it actually looked like it would have worked. And it was like, when's the last time you remember the bears running a successful screenplay? I mean, for, for real. And so that type of thing was, is encouraging. It's like, okay, they, they clearly worked on screens and have it, you know, but I think Khalil Herbert, I think was the back. And it was like, he didn't come down with it or maybe the, the pass got tipped. I, I, they didn't get a good replay on it, but, but still, there's encouraging things there. You like the play design. You like the idea that, okay, they're actually practicing screens and look like they might occasionally know how to run them. Right. <laughs> That's going to help this offense. So, yeah, there is definitely a lot there to like, even in the moments where it came up short and uh, the plays didn't come together. Absolutely. And, I mean, I think defense – both defense and offense are going to be hard to judge in the preseason. I think especially defense because defense is particularly vanilla. People can talk about how offense is vanilla too, but I mean, the weird part about the more I study offense, Sam, the more I realize that most offenses are mostly vanilla. They just run their brand of vanilla and they select different plays at different times and actually do do try to out execute the defense. I mean, I don't want to say that it's it's not rocket science. There's definitely a lot of thought that goes into offense, but an outside zone run is an outside zone run, whether you run it in the preseason or in the regular season. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, with within that, we can, I think, get a slightly better look at the offense. And in particular, I want to highlight two people because going into this season, maybe you were like me where I saw a lot of value in Khalil Herbert, especially what he showed us last year. But Tristan Ebner, number 31, took oh, yeah. off today. I mean, Herbert struggled to catch the football. Ebner scored on a touchdown on an angle route that we've heard about in preseason all throughout the last couple of weeks and OTAs. I don't know about you, but Tristan Ebner out of the seventh round could end up being a pretty surprising pick, don't you think? Uh, I 100% agree, and I know you love him because he's a Baylor Bear, right? And Hard not to. I, yeah. It's a homer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and that's fine. We all root for, for our colleges when we have them and stuff. But, um, no, I, I definitely agree. He was, he was the offensive breakout player this game. Um, I, you know, he's been getting good reports in camp. I, JB and I were at the very first practice of, the, of, of training camp, and I noted he stuck out that very first day, um, didn't get a ton of – looks at him but when he was in the game and or in the scrimmage or whatever and catching a pass or running with the ball it was like okay he's got wheels he's got some skills this would be interesting and yeah opening kickoff of the game and then just from there he was just consistently making plays all day uh the the angle route was great um i'll i'll uh give a shout out to one of my best friends greg he texted me and was like i was like man i beat you know our our other friend Clint on, on Madden with that angle route all the time. And it's like, and it's like, yeah. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that it's a concept you recognize from like a video game, but it's like, 
we never saw that last year. We never saw like something that simple. That's like, yeah, angle routes are, are a great route. Um, and you know, you just didn't see it enough. And so sometimes the, the, the keep it simple, stupid stuff comes in and you're like, yeah. And you know what, keep it, keeping it simple, scored us a touchdown. Uh, that was the, was that the first touchdown of the game? It was or the first the touchdown yeah, of the game. Yeah. And so it was like that opened the scoring for the team. So again, just, play design simple concepts and then a, a seventh round pick getting making the most of his opportunity and he's he's very well other than justin fields for obvious reasons is probably going to be the most talked about player this week if, if i had to fathom a guess no kidding i mean as much as we would hope that people would talk about braxton jones who hey say yeah. what you will it's not like i thought braxton had an incredible game but he he looked like a starter that yeah. in of itself yeah. is amazing all week every time he he gets reps with the ones everyone's like but is he ready but is he ready and it's like yeah you can go up against robert quinn in practice but what does that really mean right and and granted it it, it means something but it's still not everything and right. in one preseason game also isn't everything so let's not overstate it but okay now you're you're holding your own against Again, a Super Bowl caliber defensive line, you know, I mean, they're probably not like the best in the league. I'm not going to say that they are, but they're a very good defense. They were very good last year and he held his own. You didn't feel like, oh, yeah, there, there, there he was getting pushed around. He held his own. It, again, it was like we alluded to earlier, it was more the right side that was the problem. The left side held it together pretty well. So overall, I, you know, yeah, like you said, he looked like he belonged. And for the first preseason game, for a fifth-round pick, I feel like that's that's the best-case best, best case scenario, the best we can ask for at this point in the preseason. Oh, yeah. And I will obligatorily agree with you about Michael Schofield. I thought he got danced a couple of times. And in such limited action, you would hope that he doesn't show up as a problem that early, right? right, right. But I, I want to walk I want to walk back to uh, – and. Timsy just asked in the comments who was Jones up against that was Michael Schofield. So admittedly, we're talking about one of the best interior defensive oh, linemen in football, but I mean, let's be real, Sam, when you're like, when you're in a division with Mike, Michael Pierce and mm. Kenny Clark oh. and now Devonte Wyatt and yeah. all, and also uh, let's see, the lions just picked up. Adrian oh, Hutchinson is thank you. Yes. <laughs> Hutchinson was exactly the name I was searching for. Like we can make it sound like it's unfair when blank person struggles against Khalil Mack, Preston Smith, or quote unquote, the class of the NFL, but that's the league. I mean, no, if yeah, you struggle there's, there's no weeks off, there's no weeks no. off in the starting NFL. Um, you know, even the Jaguars have professional football players and you know that it's cliche, but it's real. Like it is, there are no, they're all no like, easy weeks in the NFL. And that was kind of a talking point last year with like, well, who do you start Justin against? And it's like, it's still a starting caliber NFL defense. It yep. doesn't matter if it's Cleveland or if it's the lions. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I, yeah, you take, you have to take it with what it was. And he struggled against one of the league's best, but it's not again, like you just pointed out, it's not going to get easier from here. <laughs> nope. 
It's it doesn't. It's one of those things where you can't just throw it out because it was Chris Jones. I mean, obviously, you have to weigh the fact that going up against one of the best is is a tough matchup, but it doesn't get easier inside the division at the very least. I want to go back to play play design a little bit because mm-hmm. I I do want to point out what I think is the magic of what we saw within Luke Getz's scheme. This doesn't, by the way, make it sudden make the Bears offense suddenly a top ten schematic offense. We're going to talk about some basic fundamentals, Sam. But yep. the best part about that angle route is that all that angle route does is pick on any linebacker that assumes the running back is running a flare out, like your more standard running back check down, right? right, it, right. It's just the running back going the other way. I mean, literally, the defense, or, and, it, and you can see it in the replay, that the linebacker starts to take strides towards the sidelines, and he gets cooked as badly as he does because when Ebner turns his shoulder, he never expects that. That's something we never saw in Nagy's offense, which was always jaw-dropping. I mean, any anybody who's played high school football can understand that if you're going to only run curls, you're never going to run a dig, you're never going to run a go, you're never going to run anything that plays off of the curls that you run that they're easy to pick on. It was yeah. nice to see even just one example in the preseason of running backs been going this way the whole game, up, oh, he went this way this time, and we scored a touchdown off of it. I mean, that's exactly the kinds of, of let's say, schematic easiness that we've seen in Green Bay for years of our life, right? Where right. they do one thing all game, and then up, oh, they do something else, and they make a touchdown look frustratingly easy. And Absolutely. I think there's a lot of similarities to what uh, you can tell he learned from Matt LaFleur who learned it from Kyle Shanahan or at the minimum, they learned it together, right? Mm -hmm. Just the way that you line up certain formations and play plays off of each other. And I'm really excited because that's going to make for fun all 22, where even just watching a running back pitch to the outside, you can start to envision, okay, what else could they do with this? It's something that you saw in Buffalo with the Bills offense. It's something we've seen forever with the 49ers. And you know what, Sam, I'll get out ahead of it and say that if they're not done putting the pieces together and getting all the little gears fine tuned by week one, that's okay for me. I really am on board with this being a work in progress year. And I don't want to take too much from a preseason game and make that sound almost doom and gloomy. But I think if we don't look at this season as something where we need to improve off of last year's six and 11, where we accept that we may have to get a little worse to get a little better, then I think it makes this year easier to watch as we wait for Jaquan Brisker to pop out in that second half. Right. Um, instead of focusing so much on what gave up this score or what led to that third or like third down failure. You get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and for you guys that study the all 22, the thing I'm, you know, I'm excited to see the breakdowns and, and see those things and see the progress throughout the year. But even then it's going to be even more exciting when we get into 2023 and then you can look back at the 2022 film and say, oh, yeah, like early last season, they were doing X, Y, and Z. But right. now they're adding A, B, and C on top of X, Y, and Z because everybody's a year again, you know, another year in this system and that sort of thing. So the progress is going to be fun to watch. Um, it is a process, uh, you know, like you and I are preaching tempering expectations and, and patience and all that stuff. And I know we're all excited, but there is going to be progress this year. There's going to be, there's going to be some great moments to talk about, no doubt. And um, there'll be some bright spots, hopefully, and hopefully more than more good than bad, but um, they're going to take their lumps. But 
yeah, the the play design of this offense really really excites me, and I oh, think yeah. the scheme already is just proving to be so much better and smarter and simpler in a lot of ways than what what we've seen the last four years. And hey, you want to hear a one bright side, Sam? This what I'm about to say may not it may not equate to wins, but with a team with as as clear a talent gap. There's no real other way to say it, right? Oh, no, absolutely. As clear a talent gap as the Chiefs and Bears had, well, they are going to play the Jets, the Lions, the like the Falcons, the Texans. The schedule is easy enough to where even if those games aren't all wins, they're close enough to where you would hope at the very least that Justin Fields isn't harried throughout the entire game, that the defensive line isn't necessarily getting chewed up and spat out. Whatever the problems that really show for the Bears are, they won't have to endure them every single week of the season quite like they did in 2021, where it was just a murderer's row of good team after good team after good team. And when one problem got, uh, when one problem showed itself, I mean, this is part of why I know I feel bad for Kendall Vildor, the human being, because as soon um, as he was shown to be a problem, teams relentlessly attacked him with the talent to do it. And yep. in this next season, I mean, if the talent is the issue, then at least they will get to work at, at peers, if you will, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. are lower on the competitive rung, right? No, absolutely. And that is, I mean, that is part of the beauty of the NFL is, you know, we, we always look at the schedule year in and year out and the schedule release becomes such a big deal, but future opponents have has always become a talking point after week 17 or now week 18, sorry, where it's like, okay, these are all your opponents are solidified for the next year. Everybody knows the, the generally the formula and that thing of like, this schedule is going to get easier next year. And, you know, some, some use it doesn't, some use it does. Cause yeah, obviously like if the bears were playing the AFC West this year, you would say, well, none of those games are easy, but with the AFC East a little bit, you're like, okay, yeah, you know, there's the dolphins have one of the best defenses in the NFL. Um, we'll see how much it carries over with the new coaching staff, but, but you're right. There are somewhat, you know, quote unquote, easier teams. And it's not the murderers where we saw last year with the AFC North and the Browns and everything else. So yeah, that there's encouragement there too. You know, the, the schedule should be easier. I, I don't know that the NFC North has gotten easier. Nope. You know, everybody seems, I don't know if it's, I don't think it's just hard knocks. Like the lot, the Detroit lions have legitimately gotten better. I don't think anybody can argue that. And you know, the, the Vikings have never really been, necessarily an easy out for the bears and they have a new coaching staff too but they have a ton of offensive talent and you look at uh obviously the packers have been you know the the dragon slayer for us um for decades so they're not going anywhere so yeah i but other than that the schedule definitely has <laughs> a lot less games where you're just dreading it from the previous monday to the sunday of the right. game Less of those gauntlets, which is nice. Yeah. Well, yeah. well, Sam, we've done a lot of talking positively or positively, and we should, but I think it, it would be a disservice to those around us if we didn't at least point out some of the potential red flags that we may or may not have seen. So once yeah. we're back from the break, let's finish out the show with a couple of the negatives we saw, some overall thoughts, and then we'll get out of here. Sound good? Perfect. Perfect. I'll see you on the other end. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. 
But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. And we're back with Bear With Me. I'm here with Sam Householder breaking down the Bears' first win of the season, 1-0 and in the three-game preseason as they came back to win 14-19 to in Soldier Field. Now, Sam, not everything gets to be rosy, and we obviously know that. So when you do look at this first team, offense or defense, what's the biggest problem that stuck out to you? Well, uh, obviously on the offense, we, we've already alluded to it. The, the right side of that offensive line was, was downright scary at times, um, especially while the chief starters were in. But it didn't get a ton better as the game went on. Um, I wish I, I could have dedicated more time to watching Tevin Jenkins a little more closely into the third and fourth quarters. It but, wasn't good. I'm, yeah. Okay. We can just stop there. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, uh, you know, the right side of the line is, is definitely a, a big worry and a big red flag. I, I still think wide receiver depth is, is a little scary. I thought um, I got to give props to Daz Newsome. I thought he early in the game, he had a couple drops. Um, he dropped a punt at one point, but then he finished the game really strong. I thought, um, and he's a guy that honestly, like I have pretty low expectations for at this point. Um, even though he is a former, what, fourth, fifth round pick, whatever it was, a sixth round pick, a fourth. Yeah. Thank you. No, it's sixth. Five. You're right. It's six. Yeah. It was six. Okay. Yeah. But either way, like, you know, you never really had super high expectations for him, but you still thought, well, he would at least be active on game day. And he was barely that at times. So anyway, I, I was a little bit encouraged by his stronger finish to the game. It was like, okay, I don't have to like completely write him off as like a depth piece here, but the receiver depth overall was, was a little scary. Uh, Todd Sharp was a bright spot, but again, we're focusing on the negative right now. The, the tight ends, uh, you know, without Cole Komet out there, boy, that done, that, that group didn't really inspire a ton of confidence in me. Um, and, you know, honestly, even Khalil Herbert, like he had some good runs, but as a receiver, just a lot of drops, uh, a lot of missed opportunities. And, um, that that kind of scared me especially when you compare it with the sort of breakout that we saw from from Tristan Ebner um on the defensive side uh honestly you know just the absence of Roquan was really noticeable to me um I, but other than that like the defensive line pretty held their own okay uh, you knew the pass rush was going to get worse especially in a preseason game without Robert Quinn but um you know Travis Gibson missed a sack, which again, maybe that's preseason, whatever. But, um, but there wasn't a lot for me to get super angry about on defense, I guess. I don't know how you felt, uh, but the secondary seemed like it was all right. I didn't see 
glaring breakdowns like we saw last year, but obviously it wasn't perfect. Um, so yeah, not a ton of complaints on the defensive side, but I, I just will say like the linebacking core absent of Roquan, that was noticeable to me. Um, the, the starting was, one because Jack yeah, Sanborn. Oh, absolutely. Ruled. Yeah, Jack Sanborn <laughs> was, was absolutely. I was, I'm like, I know that he's probably going to be every meatball fans like favorite now, but it, he, no Jack Sanborn aside, every other linebacker, certainly with the starters it was very noticeable that Roquan wasn't there to particularly with like when Travis Kelsey was in the game so I can't believe I hadn't thought of this sooner Sam because I agree with you on everything on offense obviously we saw offensive line wide receiver depth problems we can I'll leave those aside and focus on the number one thing that really stood out to me where in the preseason I don't know if the offensive and defensive lines have like an agreement that runs, but generally speaking, I feel like we see much stronger offensive line play, honestly, from everybody involved come week one, especially in the run game. You don't really see a lot of people just slamming into each other or like in the first quarter when it comes to the run game. You see like four yard gains or less all the time. I don't know why, but the biggest thing that I saw was when it came to pass coverage. I mean, Sam, I would love to confidently say that I know Roquan's going to be there by week one. We don't. I would love to confidently say that I know Kyler Gordon's going to be there week one. We don't. I mean, there. what I could see was that this was a defense that has been practicing doing what they're doing since OTAs and two weeks of training camp, and that the Chiefs have been running this offense for five years, if not right. more. Right. And that reminded me of just how many teams where that's going to be the case. I mean, Davis Mills, this will be the second year in this same or in his offense. Marcus Mariota is going to be brand new, but Jared Goff is not. It'll be the second year in his offense. Uh, Kirk Cousins, this should be, I mean, it'll be the first year in his offense, but his like third year with the core offensive personnel. This defense's biggest challenge may be getting on the same page and moving at the speed that the starters on the other side are already moving at. Right. I don't yeah. think it's I don't think it's a talent problem per se. I thought Jaquan Brisker looked individually really awesome. I'm yeah. one of the lone fans that Eddie Jackson may have left, and I'm okay with that. I mean, uh, yeah. I think Nick Morrow's gonna slot in nicely. The defensive line didn't look near as poor as I think I would have expected them to, even if I'm a believer, uh, Sam, in you need to be able to create pressure with more than one person because, like you mm-hmm. saw with Travis Gibson, if it's just one guy in the backfield, in many cases, a talented quarterback can get away from that. Right. You need a second person to capitalize on moving the quarterback or else it's all for naught. But that aside, I can't help but worry that the defensive personnel is going to be 11 people tried to do their best, but they didn't do it quite fast enough and Travis Kelsey's been doing this for years with Patrick Mahomes bang 18 yard third down conversion on like third and nine and it keeps a touchdown drive alive Marquez Valdez Scantling on a third and eight converts I mean I'm I'm not trying to spell true doom and gloom because that's not really what this is about right Mm -hmm. it's more that I have a lot more faith in the 2023 defense I think than I do in especially the first four games in 2022, where I'm Mm -hmm. starting to think that because of the personnel kind of coming in and out at training camp, that we may just not see them gel because they may not all be playing together for a good majority of this training camp. But that's just in the world of trying to almost find a red flag. That doesn't necessarily mean it is the case, you know? Right, for sure. And, you know, the other thing is 
this is a, a defense in transition, right? They they right. they kind of had a three four front ish um, the last couple years, and uh, whenever you have one of those sort of alignment big scheme changes like this, uh, the the thing that they're going to struggle with you can't change all the personnel overnight. And granted, like polls again, going back to what we talked about pre-show, like he's done a lot of sweeping changes, a lot of roster cuts, but that means that you're going to have some lesser players and you're going to have some guys that aren't necessarily scheme fits. And, you know, guys that transcend that like uh, Robert Quinn or even uh, Travis Gibson looks like it, but there are other pieces that, that maybe don't. And so, Again, it's it, there's going to be, like you said, there's going to be moments of struggle. There's going to be trying to make the best of what you have. Right. And maybe it's not exactly the type of player that Matt Eberflus or Ryan Poles would envision playing that specific position in two years or whenever. But for this year, it's like you're saddled with it. We're going to make the best of what we got. Right. And so yeah, when you don't have a Kyler Gordon out there, you know now you're bumping up a nickel to the outside, or you're bringing in who's essentially a number four cornerback. Like those types of things are it's going to happen. It's what happens on an evolving roster like this. And yeah, it, it's it's a red flag. But like you said, it's not it's not it's also not necessarily a reason to be doom and gloom. It's just going to be there's going to be growing pains for the first three, four games, and hopefully that's it. You, we, we'll stop seeing those those growing pains as the calendar turns to October, but there's oh, yeah. the thing. And, you know, and that's where coaching is going to come in too. That That's that's where the teaching is going to matter and stuff. Um, and if this coaching staff is better, like we want them to be and like we hope they will be, and what so far it seems like they are, uh, then those those little mistakes will lessen as the year goes on. But it could be a rough September. And, you know, I, I think that it's worth talking about and acknowledging. And it's only worth talking about and acknowledging just to pick up on exactly where you left off. Because if I'm just throwing it out there, right. Yeah. If Braxton Jones develops and he, yeah. he ends up looking really good and Darnell Mooney ascends, he becomes what layman would call true, a true number one wide receiver. Right. Mm -hmm. And, Valus Jones rounds into a really nice weapon at like wide receiver three and Lucas Patrick shows that he's every bit the solution that people wanted him to be. And maybe most importantly, Justin Fields takes that hard to find next step. And yet the bears still go four and 13 or five and 12. Right. right. I think, that, I think there'd be plenty of people who very fairly would say Matt Nagy went six and 11. What are we doing here? And the only reason you and I are trying to get out in front of it is because I think development and record are not always going to match up. I think, Absolutely. I think that if Cody Whitehair has the game of his life, the bears staff, if I'm reading between the lines on what they think of Whitehair's future are not going to care. But if, Braxton Jones as the game of his life that's a huge development for the future I mean mm -hmm. there are some of these guys on the roster that like you mentioned are taking up current space and they may not be here 
I mean, they may not be here after the deadline looking at you, right. Robert Quinn, let alone be here in 2023. Like mm. it's, it's a roster in flux, much more in flux than I think your standard roster with a set goal of we are gunning for the playoffs. This is a roster where it seems like the plan is to already make the 2023 playoffs. I don't know what they're saying inside of the locker room specifically, but when you look at this team's organization i struggle personally seeing braxton jones let if if you told me sam that braxton jones was a little bit worse than nfl veteran riley reef but that they thought close enough counts and that they're going to play him at left tackle so that he can get those starter reps and get that starting experience and kick reef over to the other side or maybe braxton beat larry borum so to speak in an in in the sense of Braxton is better at left tackle than Borum is at right tackle. I'd believe you. This is yeah. a roster in flux. And so yeah. I'm hopeful. This is this is my outside shot, right? I'm hopeful that we see Jatiri Carter or somebody else step up at that right guard spot. I think that there are knowns like Sam Mustafer on this roster that may very well make it, but they're not a piece of the future per se. Excellent. Yeah. And I would love to see a piece of the future, even a rotational piece of the future, step up and find it. Tevin Jenkins is a name that I thought was really disappointing today. I mean, I thought threes gave him trouble. And we saw for years Alex Bars absolutely dominate. I mean, look lights out yeah. against yeah. threes. And we saw what he did against the likes of Vita Vea and the tough, you don't get a break guys in the NFL. If, if, Tevin Jenkins is struggling here in the second or in the third and fourth quarter of a preseason game. That's not good news. No matter no, how many good. pancakes he gets, yeah. but we'll just have to see. I mean, yeah. it's, this is a roster and, and he's this, been practicing for what that, I mean, the, right. Just to quickly interrupt you. Like no, that is the one, the one, like looking at it optimistically, Tevin Jenkins has realistically only been practicing with this team for like a week ish. So, there is that excuse, but no, absolutely. You would still expect a guy who's been in the NFL for 18 months, even with as little practice and games as he's had to not struggle with third and fourth strings. I think I'm stunned. And of course, Ken's going to join us right here as I say something very negative. I was, I think I'm stunned with Tevin Jenkins's lack of agility. I mean, mm -hmm. for a guy who was a first round pedigree that so many draft analysts lauded across the nation, as a steal of the draft at, in the late 30s, whenever he was picked. I'm surprised that coming off of his, uh, his back injury, he seems like he looks just as stiff on his arc as he did when he got that quick action against the Vikings and against the Packers. And Sam, if you're like me, when you were watching him last year, you thought to yourself, the guy just had surgery. Give him right. a break. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but we're a year removed from that now. I mean, yep. this just may be the new normal. And yeah, if this is the new normal, it's the put up or shut up time. Right. And and if it is, I can understand the Bears uh, reticence, mm -hmm. but I am going to be very curious to see what happens with uh, as we wrap up here. I'm really curious to see what happens with Roquan Smith and Tevin Jenkins. Absolutely. If I if I had to give you like a heat meter, I think that there's like a 75 percent chance, uh, if not higher, that Roquan Smith is still a bear. Like we're not at he's definitely getting traded moment. That would be way too reactionary. But with Jenkins in particular, I would wonder if the more they put him on the field on preseason games, the more his trade value is going to dip or maybe it already has. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. But yeah. 
he's he he's definitely a player to watch. I think the rest of the preseason, especially as the backups come in. Obviously, we all know who we're who we have our eye on with the starters, but um, he'll be an, an intriguing one to watch. And yeah, obviously the the Smith situation, we're all going to keep an eye on. Right, Sam. As you wrap up, how do you feel? You know, I honestly like I don't know that my opinions change that much. I'm I am excited to see what this offense does as far as again play design, um, sort of just from the scheme perspective. Uh, there are some things I'm excited about on the defense. There were the the things that I saw preached in practice, the the hustle, the going to the ball, going after the ball, picking no ball hits the ground without a defender picking it up. Those types of things I was really encouraged by. Um, even like late in the game, I noticed on a kickoff that like third and fourth stringers were going for, uh, the chiefs returners, the, they were going for the ball in his hand, those tiny little things like that. I just feel like that that's building a culture that's building, um, a team that, that can do things in the future. And, you know, one player we didn't get a chance to talk about just I'll, I'll quickly mention him here, just Jaquan Brisker. He took over the game once the second strings came in. And just like we were talking about with Tevin Jenkins, that's really encouraging. You want to see a, a top pick dominate second string because that's a good sign. So, yeah, that's how I'm feeling, basically. Like, I'm I'm going to keep looking at for those things in the next couple weeks or, I guess, one game because we know that third preseason game means jack squat anymore. So, I I don't know what the normal is on preseason number three, right? Right, no. Preseason three used to be the dress rehearsal. At least that's yeah. what my dad used to tell me back in 2007. Well, uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> but how they'll treat the, the new third one, I couldn't tell you. But like you're saying, I mean, uh, if anything, this was a nice glimpse into exactly the Bears that we're going to get. I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, pleasantly surprised with the most important piece of this puzzle, Justin Fields, where yep. I thought – I when I watched, I mean, this this is going to be really like splitting hairs. But when I watched Tua Tagovailoa last year in the preseason, I found myself worrying. Oh gosh, he looks like pretty much the same guy that just ended last year. This Justin Fields to me looked like the Justin Fields we had hoped we would have seen as a rookie, and Absolutely. that may not be enough for some people, but it's definitely enough for me as yep. I wait for that all important third year. But yep. overall, Sam, we're just going to have a grand old time now. And through the rest of the season, covering this on WCG, you are going to get as close to positive as we can ever get while still maintaining as much realism as possible. So stick with us. We've got a bunch of great shows for you. Sam, what do you have coming up? Uh, I'll, I'll just be writing previews, uh, gambling articles, all the usual stuff I do. We'll be doing the live stream again, me and um, Stephen Schweikert on Sundays. And uh, yeah, so that that's what I'm looking forward to. And I know you guys are going to keep knocking out of the park here on the second uh, second city channel on uh, YouTube and the podcast network for WCG. I, I, I always love listening and I really appreciate the opportunity to jump on with you. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't miss it. Thanks so much for jumping on and I'll talk to you soon.